Well, welcome. If you are visiting today or still considering if you'll make St. Pete's home, uh, you're joining more of a family conversation. Uh, we're happy you're here. We're glad you're here. We want you to listen in and get a better sense of what we're all about. Uh, as you've heard in the announcements, after lunch today, we're going to have our annual vestry meeting, which is a classically Anglican way of taking something normal and making it sound abnormal. It's our annual general meeting. But we try to make these very life-giving and full of hope and reflection upon how God has been faithful and what he's up to. So even if you're still new here and you're just getting your bearings, I'd say come to this meeting. Come see how we handle things together as a church. You'll really get a better sense of who we are if you do. Uh, but with that being said, this sermon is a little out of the ordinary because I'm setting the stage for our meeting this afternoon. Uh, we do have five core values as a church under authority, default to prayer, interdependence, integrated faith, and the joy of salvation. And perhaps the most countercultural of all of these is under authority. Uh, we describe it like this. We're not citizens of culture. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, led by Jesus through his word, spirit, and church. Now, one of the ways we embody these values, or this value in particular, week after week, is through preaching the word and seeking to live under its inspiration and its authority and direction. And then another way we try to live out this value as a church is by coming under the authority of our bishops. As an Anglican church, our bishops provide oversight and care and direction. And one of the ways they give us direction is at an annual gathering called Synod. And at Synod, Bishop Charlie Masters gives a charge. And this year, his charge was, Him we proclaim. And it was based off of our reading this morning, Colossians 1, 28 through 29. And his hope for us, his hope for churches across Canada is that we would commit ourselves to working out the implications of his charge. And so that's what we try to do as a church. That's how we come under authority. Our leadership team got together and we talked about this passage and we prayed about this passage and we discussed this passage. And as we did, we were struck by three words, discovery, formation, and presence. And so this morning, I want to work out the implications of Charlie's charge in these three words, discovery, formation, and presence, and give you a sense of what they might mean for us in 2020. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Colossians. If not, don't worry about it. It'll be on the screen behind me. Here's what Paul writes to the church. Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So let's begin with our first word, discovery. We want St. Peter's Fireside to be a place where people discover the goodness of God with us. That sums up everything we do. So no matter how much experience you have in faith, whether you're exploring faith for the first time, or you're new to faith, or you've been following Jesus for a long time, or you're burnt out on faith, we want you to discover the goodness of God for the first time, or again, or yet again. And according to Paul, this kind of discovery can happen through a simple act, proclamation. Jesus is the one we proclaim, says the apostle. But the word he uses for proclaim is actually to make known in public. 
So Paul doesn't merely have sermons in a church context in mind. He has the whole world in mind. He has every city in mind. He has every person in mind. He has every neighborhood in mind because the gospel is not just good news for a few who gather in a little room somewhere. It's public news for the whole world. And so Paul says, him we proclaim. So whether it's a Sunday service or a community group or Alpha or some other space or place or opportunity, we proclaim Jesus because we're caught up in his story. We proclaim the life and death and resurrection and ascension and expected return of Jesus. And we proclaim him again and again, assuming that we can never fully comprehend his goodness and who he is and what he taught and how he demonstrated the kingdom in our midst. We proclaim him again and again to capture our hearts, to capture our minds, to capture our feet, to capture our hands and keep moving us in the direction of Jesus. And the hope is that we would be on a continual discovery of his goodness. One of my favorite stories of discovery over the past year is Lucy's story. Uh, We run Alpha at the Granville Room every fall, and we station two people outside on Granville Street who invite strangers off the street into the Granville Room. Anyone want to sign up for that job? And so they are on the street, strangers are walking by, and you say, hey, Would you like a free meal? And there's no bait and switch. If they say, what's the catch? We say, the catch is, you got to watch a film about Jesus and tell us what you think about it. And you'd be surprised how many people come in. Lucy was one of those people. She's a student. She is hungry. Free meal sounded good. Jesus, whatever. Free meal. So, you know, Lucy is one of those people who had that audacity and bravery to go into a room full of strangers, eat a meal, and talk about faith. And she went through Alpha. And after 10 weeks... She didn't have a Jesus take the wheel moment. And at the end of every Alpha, we say, hey, why don't you join a community group? If you've liked this experience, we meet in these different places. And Lucy took us up on the offer. And she actually joined my community group, which was really exciting until Preston stole her for his community group, but whatever. (laughs) And during that season, we were studying Ephesians 2 as a church. You might remember that about a year ago. And a few weeks into that study, things start to click for Lucy. A few weeks into our group, she goes, oh, I see this is true. Like, I see it. Like, I'm dead in my sins. There's nothing I could do to bring myself to life, but God loves me and brought me to life. And so she gave her allegiance to Jesus and was baptized a few months later. And it's just been amazing over the past year to watch her serve and learn and worship. And a few weeks ago, her community group, and I just love this, threw her a one-year birthday party. And this is a photo from that. I just love that. And this is a story of discovery. We want to see these kind of stories in our midst, and they're happening. But I also want to highlight that this isn't the only story of discovery. There's many people in our community who are rediscovering the goodness of God. Because some of us, we've experienced hurt in the church. We've been wounded by other forms of Christianity. We've experienced what St. John of the Cross calls the dark night of the soul, where God doesn't seem to provide the solace or comfort we need in a time of hurt or grief. And our hope as a church is to create space where people can rediscover the goodness of God. A few weeks ago, Karen shared her story of renewal at our evening service, and you may have read it online, and her story doesn't have a neat bow on it. As she put it, it's a story told in the middle. And there's one thing she said that really stuck with me. I'm just going to read what she wrote. 
I came with broken faith, but still moving toward God one reluctant step at a time. And slowly, patiently, like a glacier. Thank you, my girl. Everyone, Maggie June's commentary. (laughs) I came with broken faith, but moving toward God one reluctant step at a time. And slowly, patiently, like a glacier, God has used the community and preaching at this church to heal one tiny crevice at a time. People have entered into our lives with kindness, although I remain at arm's length. Sometimes sermons begin with passages that make me cringe, but I slowly breathe, I soften, and I find a loving God beneath verses previously used for shame and judgment. Our first week at St. Peter's was like a giant accepting hug. It scared us. My husband, Nate, and I said to each other, if we're going to stay here, we have to be all in. There is no place to hide. And so our hope is that more and more people would discover the goodness of God or rediscover the goodness of God. That wherever you may be on your faith journey, you would see that Jesus will meet you there. And that's our hope going into 2020. And and we're committing to this. But this is only possible, according to Paul, if we remain committed to proclaiming him at every opportunity we have. And that plan hasn't changed. So let's move to our second word, formation. Formation. We want St. Peter's to be a place where people are formed into Christ's likeness. Paul puts it in his passage that he, he proclaims and he teaches so that he may present Everyone mature in Christ. So another one of our values as a church is integrated faith. You know, from our heads down to our hearts, to our feet, in our homes and work, and everywhere in between, Jesus transforms every part of our lives. That's integrated faith. That's maturing in Christ. And so we don't merely proclaim Jesus and leave it there as if that is enough. Paul says he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And so if we're going to mature, it requires being admonished and taught. It requires we allow our faith in Christ to shape every part of our lives. And when we proclaim Jesus, it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. Because we don't have the convenience of constructing a version of Jesus that never disagrees with us or challenges us in the ways in which we've conformed to culture. We will constantly be stretched by how radically inclusive Jesus is and how radically exclusive Jesus is, welcoming any and all who would come to him and yet saying, there is no way to the Father except through me and my ways. So if we really proclaim Jesus, we bring people to the one who disrupts us and challenges us as much as he comforts us. And he's going to dislodge us from the status quo. He'll reframe the way we see the world. He leaves no stone unturned in the formation of our lives and the formation of our community. And so discovery and formation go hand in hand. Because when you discover who Jesus is, it comes with the invitation, follow me. And the expectation there is that you will become like me. You're going to walk with him and you're going to bear his image and his resemblance. Spiritual formation, according to Robert Mulholland, is being formed into the image of Christ 
for the sake of others. Being formed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And that's our hope. That we would deepen and mature in Christ and that we would be a church that exists for the sake of others, which is what we talked about all through January. And at St. Pete's, we've done this in different ways. We've done this through community groups and catechism and rhythms of life. These have been primary places where we try to make avenues of formation possible. And as you'll hear in our vestry meeting, we're going to continue to press into these ways, uh, these avenues in new ways. But what we found and what you probably know in your own life is that measuring spiritual growth is really hard. You can't quantify it. There's no number. There's no metric you can apply. You just have to tell stories and listen. And sometimes it requires looking past the past month or the past year and taking a bigger picture of how you've been following Jesus over the past two years or five years or 10 years, just to see how much he's done. Because when you step back and take this kind of perspective, beyond just natural maturing as a human, you will be able to see the ways in which God has patiently and slowly done the deep work of forming you into the likeness of Jesus. And it's worth taking the time to do this. Last week, I was sharing some of my own struggles with Preston, and he said, well, where were you 10 years ago? I really had to think, where was I 10 years ago? And I remembered where I was. 10 years ago, I had just quit my job to go to seminary full-time, and, and we had no savings. We had no plan of how we we're going to pay the bills. Julia had just started working at this counseling clinic where essentially the system was like, you pay them until a certain amount, and so we were paying them at that phase. We had nothing, and I just said, well, God's calling me to do this. I'm going to do it, and he'll provide And I've looked at how God has used opportunities like that again and again over the past 10 years and shaped my character. That back then, I wasn't worried. Now, when we set budgets, I like lose sleep. And and he said, it's not that you're malformed over time. It's that I'm actually showing you a deeper work of trust. That I keep putting you in these situations that aren't easy, that require risk. There's still more things to be formed. And and as I took this 10-year perspective of my life, I could name all sorts of things that have changed in my life. Am I perfect? You all know I'm not. But taking that perspective, I could see how Christ was at work in me. And so if you stop just for a moment and think, where were you two years ago? What were you like five years ago, 10 years ago? How's your thinking changed? How's your ability to love others change? Now, the change might not be as drastic as we'd like. That's because it's always deeper than we'd like. That God gets his hands into the depths of the soil of our souls and changes the most fundamental things about us. And the outworking of that is quite slow. I've been really encouraged by Derek's story. You may have read his story of renewal recently. And over the past five years, I've just watched God shape and form him in wonderful ways. And when you say like, hey, you've really grown, I know that sounds like a complisult, like the ultimate backhanded compliment, you know. I don't mean it in that way at all. I've just worked with Derek. I've been his friend and I've seen him grow. And recently, Derek shared some of how that went about for him. And as you may know, like several years ago, he was our worship leader. 
And that didn't go as well as we'd like. And so Derek, after a year and a half in that role, had to leave Vancouver and move back to Atlanta. And that was a really hard transition for him. And it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of humility to admit that you didn't get it as well as you'd like, to move back to the same city, to go through an apprenticeship for the same job, to step into the same job, and to try again. And I've watched God just work Derek's character and his patience, his ability to apologize, his ability to listen, his ability to worship. And in his own story, Derek said this, I feel God's hand in my life every single day as I walk through the city that I never thought I'd come back to serve. I'm so grateful to have a second chance here. You see, when we discover Jesus, we discover there's countless second chances with him. And that starts to change us. That starts to form us. And when we take perspective on our lives, we can see just how much he's done in us. So our goal is not just to proclaim Christ, but to proclaim him so that you can be formed in his image for the sake of others. And we're going to continue to commit to this throughout 2020. Finally, our last word is presence. We proclaim Jesus. We want to see people formed into his likeness, but this is not possible apart from his presence. At the end of the day, we're not proclaiming an idea. We're not proclaiming some abstract concept. We're proclaiming him. He's alive. He's with us, and we can only be formed into his likeness if we abide in him or remain in him or dwell in him and return to his faithful presence again and again and again. Paul puts it like this, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And as a pastor, I resonate with this. You know, Paul strenuously contends. There's toil and there's labor and there's hard work and there's effort. You know, faith doesn't mean you'll never break a sweat or that there won't be tears of frustration. And yet, Paul says it's not all on us. We put in this great effort. We strenuously contend, and yet we're depending on this power that Christ works through us as we dwell in his presence. So no true discovery, no true formation, no true ministry can take part apart from Christ's presence. You know, every year in prep for this day, this vestry meeting, our leadership team spends a weekend together. And as part of the weekend, we carve out time for prayer and solitude and Together, we seek to be present to the presence of Jesus. We seek to lay down our plans and, and try to listen from God. And last year when we did this, I, I felt the Spirit speak to me in a very clear way. We are in the mythical land of White Rock, and I was looking out at the river, and I, I couldn't tell if it was coming toward me or going away from me. If I looked out at the distance, it looked like it was coming toward me. But if I looked closely, it was clearly going toward the ocean. And I felt the Spirit say to me in that moment, don't look too far out in the future. You won't see where I'm going. Just pay attention to what's before you, and I will lead you. And this image helped us throughout the year to listen and recalibrate our plans And it, when we were surprised by the opportunity to adopt a manual church. We had different plans on our radar. And yet the Spirit said, here's where I'm going. Will you follow? But this year, when I had solitude, I have to admit, I thought to myself, God won't do it again. Because my spirit animal is Eeyore. <laughs> but God 
did do it again. This year, our leadership team was on Galliano Island, and during our time of solitude, I decided to go for a walk, and I found this small bluff overlooking the ocean, and this barren tree was jutting out at a sharp angle, and it stood dead center, obstructing my view. And the wind was strong, and the waves were big, and the sun was actually bright and warm on a crisp and cold day, and the mountains, they were fully visible. And I took it in, and I thought about the beauty of God's mission, that God's love is on the move, moving all of creation to a reality that will be more beautiful and holistic and peaceful and full of shalom than even this beautiful scenery. And I felt eternity in my bones. But then I sensed the Spirit say to me, the beauty of my mission cannot sustain you. Look at this tree. And so I looked at the tree I didn't want to look at. I looked at the tree that was obscuring my view. And it was barren. It was dark. And yet it was strong and resilient and deeply rooted within the earth. And then the Spirit said to me so clearly, a barren tree with healthy roots isn't a problem. It's a season. A barren tree with healthy roots isn't a problem, it's a season. I don't want to admit this to you because it feels quite vulnerable. But when I look at all the milestones and expectations and hopes and dreams I had for church planting over the past seven years, I feel like a barren tree in comparison. And the past few years, especially in terms of growth, have felt like treading water. Now, I'm not saying my perception is true or accurate. I have to work those things out with the Lord, but it's how I see things. And the Lord reminded me at our leadership team retreat, the ocean cannot sustain a barren tree. Only the nutrients from the soil of the earth and the rain of the sky can do that. And similarly, as beautiful As the mission is for the church, it can't sustain me. Only the presence of God can. And being rooted in his presence is more important than whatever season we may be in. But I only came to see this, I only came to realize this when I made time to be present to his presence. And I was reminded that my primary responsibility to myself, to my family, to all of you, is to stay rooted in Christ. And so I want our church to have our eyes fixed on God's mission because it's beautiful, but to have our hearts rooted in his presence. Our eyes fixed on his vision, but our hearts rooted in his presence. Because at the end of the day, St. Peter's can't be about my goals or milestones or hopes and aspirations. Thank God it's not. The only question that matters, the only question that's fruitful is this, what is Jesus doing in our midst? When we're present to him, where is he asking us to go? Who is he asking us to be? What is he asking us to do? There will be seasons. There will be winter and spring and summer. And I'm the sort of person that hopes it just stops there. But then there will be fall and winter and spring and summer. This is true of a church. We're going to go through seasons together. But whatever season we may be in, and I don't know, 
We need to be rooted in Christ so we can discover his goodness, so that we can be formed into his likeness for the sake of others. And when we open ourselves up to his presence, he surprises us. We didn't think we are going to adopt Emmanuel Church, and now we have an East Vancouver evening service, and it's beautiful. We love it. And I suspect this year, if we open ourselves up to his presence, rather than say, here's what we're going to do, and here's what we're going to accomplish, he's going to do incredible things in our midst. So my hope is these three words, discovery, formation, and presence, will keep us focused on, uh, on Christ, keep us pursuing him, keep us listening to him. And they're just a cycle of renewal. You can jump in at any point if you want. If you discover Jesus, you'll start to be formed into his image as you dwell in his presence. Or if you encounter his presence, you have this spiritual moment with him, you think, oh, I want to discover more about him. And as you discover more about him, you're like, oh, I want to become more like him. Or you might think, well, I really need to grow spiritually this year. I really want to mature. And so you want to discover more about his image so you know who you're growing like. And then you discover, I really can't do this on my own. And so I need his presence. It's this circular dynamic movement, the way God shapes us. And we want to see all of us step into this cycle of renewal. That together we would discover the goodness of God, be formed into the likeness of Christ for the sake of others as we're present to his presence. And that's essentially our vision as a church. Jesus is alive. He's renewing everything, our city, its people, even us, and we get to be part of it. And my hope is that you'll commit to being part of it with us. And this afternoon, we'll look at some practical ways we're going to do that. But for now, may we become a people of discovery, formation, and presence.